We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. Corinthians chapter 4. First Thessalonians 4 and today we're going to see uh, three things primarily we're going to see in verses 9 through 10 how God wants us to love increasingly and then we're going to see in verse 11 the beginning how God wants us to live peacefully and then we'll see in the end of 11 and verse 12 how God wants us to labor honestly you know, one of the beautiful things about, you know, coming to church, I think the first thing we do, you guys, is we worship God. You know, to me, it's just so cool to be able to come in and just to say, God, you're my God. God, you saved me. God, you made me. I, I come to, to church service as, as an expression of worship to you. And to me, that's so cool that you guys come faithfully. You know, and then another thing I think that what happens is when we assemble together, when God gives us all the different gifts uh, together as a body, that we grow. We grow individually. We grow to be the people that God made us to be. We become more and more like Jesus. And so I don't want you guys to ever think this is in vain. We come to worship. We come to grow. And God blesses his church. And he's, he's instituted the church and so today we're going to see that God teaches us uh, some really cool things about love, about life, and about labor. Look at verse 9 where Paul says, But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed you do so toward all the brethren who are in Macedonia and all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. And so when we look at God's word, one of the things we see is that God wants us to love and he wants us to love increasingly. He says there in verse 9 concerning brotherly love. And the Greek word first used in our verse is that Greek that word Philadelphia, and it's speaking of a fraternal affection, it's speaking of a brotherly love. In, in secular Greek writings and in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it was used in relation to blood brothers, blood brothers and blood sisters. But in the New Testament, what you find is that the word moves from not blood brothers necessarily, but blood brothers in Christ to the family of the faith, to those who are Christians. This is the word now that gets kind of affected and moved into this camp. And so he says concerning that, that, that love among the saints, among the Christians, he says you should have this love. And he even says, interesting, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Now it's interesting, the second word translated love in our English Bible is a different Greek word, and the Greek word there is the Greek word agape, and it speaks of uh, true love. It speaks of uh, living, giving love. It speaks of God's love. And we need both. We need the, the love of the family, of the body of Christ. And we need the, the love that comes from God. And it's through Him. When God gives us His love, 
then we can love our brothers, our family in Christ. But it's interesting because Paul says you don't really even need to hear this command from us about loving each other because he says, I'm sure you've already heard it uh, from God. Notice that there again in verse 9, concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. You know, they already knew this. Uh, They had the Holy Scriptures and they had the Holy Spirit. And they already knew this, right? They had, like for example, Leviticus 19 and verse 18. It says, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So they had the word. They already knew. They already had been taught by God. They had the Holy Scriptures. As a matter of fact, uh, we read in 1 John chapter 3, verse 11, it says, For this is a message that you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. So, you know, we write these things, and even today, here we are, we hear this, we've heard this message before, um, and and Paul says, and and you've already heard it, you've been taught by God these things, haven't you? You know, we have the Holy Scriptures, but not only that, we have the Holy Spirit. You know, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, it's interesting, it says that you have an anointing, speaking to the church, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. You know, as Christians, the Holy Spirit lives within us. We have that anointing, and that Holy Spirit, He's going to teach us. It's amazing. We see something similar in 1 John 2.27. It says, you have received the Holy Spirit, and He lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you all things, and what he teaches is true, is not a lie. So continue in what he has taught you and continue to live in Christ. And that's a New Living Translation, and I think that it expresses the truth of that verse rather well. You guys, it's so cool to know. And a lot of times people, they get frustrated because, you know, they're like, well, I I struggle in understanding the Bible. And what I want to encourage you to do is, is to look at this book as a spiritual book and you understand that as you you know get on your knees and as you try to get your heart right a while back Henry gave a study on how the seed it goes out on 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 different types of soils you know and when you plant a seed on the cement nothing's going to happen if you plant the seed you know maybe in shallow ground it's probably not going to thrive if you plant that seed among a whole bunch of other thorns you know nothing's going to happen but when that seed When that seed falls on good ground, on fertile soil, on soft soil, then that word will produce fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. And so when we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, and a lot of times we think, well, it's just because I'm not smart enough. No, it's not because you're not smart enough. It's not because, you know, you have, you know, I have dyslexia or something. No, it's not that. Because this is a spiritual book and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and as you read the Bible, He Himself will teach you. And so Paul is saying, you know, I I want you guys to love one another and you don't even need that I should write this to you, but I'm going to write it anyways. I want you guys to love one another with the love that God gives you to have that Philadelphia love, that fraternal love, that family love because it's something that's God he's already taught you you have the holy scriptures and you have the holy spirit and so it's very important to us now 
just as a side note, it doesn't eliminate the way God does use human teachers and preachers and writers of sermons and books and such, but he does so according to the scriptures. But as you and I get our hearts right with God, then what ends up happening is God will you know, teach us. Our teachability will skyrocket, and you will find that when you're reading the Bible, you have an understanding because you have a teacher with a capital T. God teaches you. And so what he wants us to do, he teaches us, in this case, to love uh, other people, to love people. Now, maybe you're here today and you're like, well, Manny, I can't love my boss. You don't know my boss. You don't know my sister. You don't know, you know my, my spouse. You don't know my, my neighbor. Man, he bumps the loud music. It's really late at night and I have a struggle loving him. Manny, you want me to love my enemy. I mean, you want me to love that guy? I don't really like my overseer, my leader, even my pastor. I have a hard time maybe loving them. And you're right. You know, maybe I don't know them. And there are people who are challenges in life, right? But we don't have to know them. It doesn't matter who they are. Because it, it, all that matters really is who, who you are in Christ. And God will give you what you need to love them the way that he wants you to. No, no, I think there is a confusion as far as, far as what is love. Uh, some people think that love is just letting everybody do whatever they want. You know, well, if they love me, they'll let me do whatever I want. That's, that's not love. That's like the antithesis of love. It really is. To love somebody means you want God's will for them. To love somebody means you want the best for them. You don't want them to ail or fail. It's a conviction when you love someone. It's not just an emotion. You may feel one way, but you have to act a different way because love is not a feeling. You know, when you love, it's a walk by faith, not feeling. And it's not, you know, just articulation. Love is action. It's volitional. It's not conditional. And love is oftentimes tender, but usually it's tough when you really love someone. And we're actually going to see that in our study today. There are some teachers, John Stott is one of them as an example, who, who says that really what he's getting to right here is, I, I'm going to love the brothers in the church by warning them, by disciplining them. It's interesting when you see the flow of uh, scriptures that we're going to go through today. And, and as we love, here's something else I think it's very important for us to know that uh, although it's elementary Christianity, it's not simplistic Christianity. Because we do love people, but we have to make sure that we love God more than anyone else. And I think that that's where sometimes we get messed up. In Matthew 22, in verse 36, a scribe came to Jesus and he said, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In Ephesians, the Lord told the church, You left your first love. See, there is a priority in love. And what we're going to see is that when you love God and you make decisions based on trying to please him, it will work out good for all the other people involved. But if you begin to idolize them and put them before God, then it's not going to work out good for anybody. You have to love God first, and then you love your neighbor. Another thing that even falls into the same category is this. Did you know that you're supposed to love God first, and then your family? 
A lot of times what people do is they love their friends more than their family. You've got to be careful. And they make decisions based on, well, just my friend, to the detriment of their family. See, there's a priority. There is an order of love. And when I begin to make decisions based on I love God and I want to please Him, and then I know my responsibility as a husband, as a dad, I love my family and I want to take care of them, and you make your decisions the way that they're supposed to be made, then don't worry about all the other people. God's going to take care of everything based on the decisions you made according to the priorities that you have. The Bible says that when a, when a man gets married, he leaves his father and mother, and then he's joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now what that means is that other relationships become secondary. But now there's a new family. Now there's an inner core. doesn't mean you don't stop you know, ever visiting your family or your parents. Or it doesn't mean you can't hang out with friends. It just means that there's now a priority. And so I, I want to encourage you guys along those lines because I think sometimes things get discombobulated. Sometimes things get confused. Sometimes th- people don't really know what love is or how to love or what the priorities are in that. And so what we find is that, you know, Paul wants these guys to grow. He wants them to love, and he wants them to love increasingly. Now, interesting in our verse today, we see the Thessalonians were doing pretty good in this command to love. And not only were they loving people, but their love, it spread far throughout the province of Macedonia. Notice again there in verse 9. But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another, and indeed you do so toward all the brethren who are in Macedonia. He says, but we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. You know, they already were loving, and they were loving like through the whole province of Macedonia. But Paul said, I urge you to love Increasingly, I urge you to love more and more. The Greek word right here, translating increase, it, it means to superabound. It means to excel. It means to be excellent in love. You know, I bet a lot of you here would like to have an increase in height. How many of you here would like to be taller? Just out of curiosity. Slam dunk. Yeah, right. Right? <laughs> right? I mean, it would be nice to grow and increase in height. How many of you here would like to increase in Money, just out of curiosity. I could use a little more, right? <laughs> and I'm sure we, we could. But what we find right here is God wants us to increase uh, in height. And I think, uh, no, I'm just joking. He wants us to increase in money, right? And he, I'm just joking. You guys got to catch me on this. He wants us to increase in what? In love. I wonder if we're, we have the same heart. I wonder if we're proactive. I wonder if we're endeavoring to increase in this area of our life. You know, and not just increase, he says more, and not just more, he says more and more. You know, let this be a goal that we have. You know, the neat thing is that these guys' love did grow. We read that in 2 Thessalonians, the second letter that he writes to them in chapter 1, verse 3. He says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly. And you, you just begin to see that in people's lives, where they start you know, interacting and, and just serving in a way where you see it's love. They really do love God and love the people. 
You know, be so careful that your love doesn't go or grow in the wrong direction because that can happen. It happens a lot of times with couples. When they first get married, they love each other, but then for whatever reason, a lot of times their hearts go in opposite directions and they, and they don't. That can happen. It happens in this world that we live in. Things are so different. You know, and I'm sure that you, know, you can talk to maybe some of the older people that are here today and they'll tell you the world that we live in is different. I mean, people are getting more and more what I would consider to be the antithesis of love, and that is selfish. Looking out for number one, me, myself, and I, where there was a generation, and then there was a generation before that, that understood that what you do is you live and you love for others. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20, verse 24, verse 12, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold you know we guys I think we know how important love is and again I mentioned to you that scripture earlier in Revelation 2 verse 4 nevertheless I have this against you that you have left your first love and so the Lord will help you in this I pray that we would have this as an aspiration I want to grow I want to increase in love Lord work on my heart Please, and even if you're already doing good, I know some of you are, you're very loving people. And God is just saying to you, but don't be content in that. I want it to be even more and more. We can't do this in our own strength. Look at chapter 3 and verse 12. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another. It's not going to be something that we can do in our own strength. But as we pray for one another, as we're open to God working, you, yes, you can grow and increase in love. So number one, we want to love increasingly. Number two, we want to live peaceably. Look at verse 11. He says, That you also aspire to lead a quiet life to mind your own business. Ooh. <laughs> Interesting. You're like, that's in the Bible? Yeah, it's in the Bible, man. You know, that, that you aspire, and the word aspire, it means you make it your ambition, you make it your goal. What's our biblical ambition or goal? To lead a quiet life, and part of that means to mind our own business. Uh, the Greek word aspire right here, it means to be eager or earnest uh, to do something. It means to strive. It even means to study. Believe it or not, that Greek word is sometimes translated to study. You study to live a peaceful life. You study to mind your own business that's why the old King James it translates it that way, that ye study to be quiet. That's interesting, huh? I just thought duct tape would work, but no, if you just uh, read your Bible and you grow in that. You know, and if we have that desire, and if we make it our aim, then I believe God will teach us through his word how to live a peaceful life. You know, and I don't know, I wonder if there's anyone here where your life is just, man, it's just like a whirlwind. It's like you can't find peace, not even a piece of peace, man. There's some people like that. You go home and their home is not a sanctuary. It is strife life. And what God says is, I want you to love increasingly. And when you love increasingly, you're going to find that you will then begin to live peacefully. You know, I'm sure you guys have heard it said, negative people need drama like oxygen. So stay positive, it will take their breath away. I like that, you know. You know, if you're a negative person, 
You know, and you just, you just kind of like, you like drama and you breathe that in and it kind of keeps you going, then you gotta, you gotta try to deprive yourself of that type of oxygen, that type of unnecessary drama. Now, we're gonna have drama. We're gonna have, you know, the conflicts of life. Some things are unavoidable, but how much is avoidable? And when God says, I want to bless your life, he's the same part of it as I want you to have a love that increases. I want you to have a life that's peaceful. It's so cool that God loves us that much. We are to make it our aim. And the Greek word here used, uh, it means to keep still. It means to hold your peace. It means to be quiet. It even means to rest. And so in looking at this, the biblical idea is t- twofold. First of all, this world is this word is directed towards those people who are um, the Greek word is metiches, I think. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, well, maybe that's Spanish. I'm not sure, but um, you know, they go from home to home, and they go to, from phone to phone, and they're subtle, or they're fishing, or they just want to get the 411 so they can spread the news, or or maybe tattletale, or take matters into their own hands. And Paul touches on this when he speaks of certain women, no offense, ladies, in 1 Timothy 5, verse 13, and says these young ladies, what happens a lot of times when they're not mature in the Lord is they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things what they ought not. And and so, you know, some ladies and and some men, um, we, we found out that this is the type of person that they are, and as a, reason, as a result of that, they're suffering for it. They're suffering in their relationships. That's why First Peter chapter 4, verse 15, it says, But none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a busybody in other people's matters. It's interesting to me that he would categorize a busybody there with a murderer and a thief and an evildoer. But you guys got to know the wickedness of such people. Paul here says, make it your aim not to be like that. You're going to live a peaceful life if you hit that target. And, and we really should, and I, how many of you here want that type of life? I'm curious. You guys, don't you want that, you know? I mean, you know, the, the life that's peaceful. Proverbs 17, 1, it says, better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. You know, I look at my dog food, I'd rather have that than filet mignon with a whole bunch of drama and problems. You know, Ecclesiastes 4, verse 6, this is better a handful with quietness than both hands full together with toil and grasping for the wind. I mean, so much more rich is the man who has peace than the man who has everything with problems. That's what the Bible says. We're not only to long for this, we're actually to pray for this in our nation. I like what it says in 1 Timothy 2. Paul says, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority. In other words, we pray for our our government, we pray for our country, we pray for our leaders. He says that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. You know, and so, man, I pray this would be your heart. You know, and sisters, if I could just say this in all love, um, 
I know it takes two to tangle, so don't misunderstand me, but as God works in your lives, God will bless your home so much more. I mean, have you ever heard that saying? Have you guys ever heard this saying that a happy wife is a happy life? I mean, you guys have heard that. Why is that? It's because if mom's mad, ain't no one glad, right? That's kind of the way it works, right? And so you know, you're striving for this peace, right? It's for that reason that Peter writes to the ladies, right? In 1 Peter 3, verse 3 through 4, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, ranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on nice clothes, but rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. See, God wants us to to be loving increasingly, and God wants us to be living peacefully. And of course that applies to both men and women, but what we find is that God wants to change our lives. You know, if we love increasingly and live peacefully, then we can move on to the third thing, which is to labor honestly. Look again there at verse 11, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your own hands. And as we commanded you, that you may walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. And so we love increasingly. God, help us to, to love like you love. And, and we live peacefully. And, and we just, man, we're doing our best just to take care of our, our, ourselves. I'm not going to be, you know, busy bodies, methici, meddling in other people's business. I, even at home, you know, there is a, a place for correcting our family members and, and trying to, you know, get them on track. But a lot of times... God just wants us to, 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 to deal with ourself. You know, one of the struggles about marriages is that we know that my spouse's responsibility and we're like, we're all on them. And, and God, a lot of times, he says, no, you get your life right. You know, and then, then you're going to bring peace in the house. And then what God says to these guys, because this is something that they were really struggling with, is I want you guys, and these are just some of the basics of life, I want you to labor. And all you got to do is labor honestly, that's all. You know, I talk to my kids, and I'm sure you guys feel the same way. You know, to you, it's not, it doesn't matter necessarily if they're rich. It doesn't matter if they're the president or a doctor or a lawyer or whatever that they make, you know, the big bucks, huh? You can talk to any parent here, and all they'll tell you is they want you to know the Lord. They want you to know the Lord, and they want you to work honestly. You support your family. You take care of things there at home. doesn't matter, you know, if you have a mansion, but God will provide for you, right? And you'll be content when you serve the Lord. And that's all we ask. Lord, help us to labor. Help us to work honestly. Here we read Paul's command to the Thessalonian Christians, and it's followed by two reasons for his command. And he talks about them working with their own hands. And the word work, it means to toil as a task. It's an occupation. It it means to labor. And apparently what was happening there in Thessalonica is there were some unruly people among them. We're going to see that in chapter 5, verse 14, who according to 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 through 12, didn't want to work. They were sponging off the rest of the saints. Watch if you go over to chapter 5. Just I want to draw your attention to a couple of words 
Look at verse 14 of 1 Thessalonians 5. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. There were some unruly people in Thessalonica. They didn't want to be ruled. They weren't working. They were just saying, hey, everybody else is giving into the pot and you know Jesus is coming soon. And you know, my kids sometimes we mess around like that. They're like, hey, Dad, I don't have to get a job. Jesus is coming, you know? I'm all, yeah, you gotta get a job. We don't know when, you know. We have to basically I think he's coming soon, but you just never know, man. It might be another hundred years, right? And so what he's saying is that those guys who are unruly, they're they're creating problems there in the church. You know, the word unruly in classical Greek literature, this Greek word was applied to an army that was in disarray. Uh, It was applied to undisciplined soldiers who broke rank. Instead of marching together, it was used of insubordinate people. And Paul says when it comes to insubordinate people who won't work in the church, you don't help them, you warn them. You see, there's a difference between the person who's able to work and the person who is not willing to work, between the person who can't find a job and the person who's not looking for a job, right? And, and so Paul wrote in Second Thessalonians in chapter 3, in verse 10 through 12, he says, For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies, Now those who are such, we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. You know, and work to me, labor to me, is is really beautiful. It's good when you have somebody who works hard. You know, when you have a good work ethic. Sometimes we succumb to laziness, right? Uh, It's been said that a lazy sheep thinks its own wool is heavy. That can happen sometimes, right? Man, you know how some people are like that. There's a poem I read. It's actually an epitaph of a a gentleman by the name of James Alberry. And he wrote this epitaph of himself because when he died, he realized that he never worked. And this is what the epitaph says. It says, He slept beneath the moon and he basked beneath the sun. He lived a life of going to do and died with nothing done. See, work is good. Martin Luther said, if I rest, I rust. Now, of course, we have to rest a little bit. Don't get me wrong. But I think we know what it is to overdo it. Laziness is resting before you even get tired, one guy said. There's a Jewish proverb that says, some people are like blisters. They don't show up until the work is done, right? Remember, you guys, the Bible doesn't promise loaves to the loafer. I encourage you, myself included, have it in your heart, you know, to work hard. You know, sometimes people don't work because they can't get the job with all the perks and the office on the top floor. But you know what? If you work hard, that's all that matters. Just get your foot in the door. You never know what will happen if you work hard. But here's where the word, it kind of comes into play. Notice even right there the word properly. Look at verse 11 again, that you also may aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you that you walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. See, when you work hard, they're watching you. 
You might say, well, they're watching me because they see my t-shirt or they see my bumper sticker or they see me read my Bible or they see me pray. True. But they're watching you the way you work. Do you work hard? They're watching you even in that. And, and what he's saying is that as you, you labor, you work, and when you do that, then you're walking properly. And the word properly is actually, in the Old King James, is translated honestly. It's an honest day's work. And then we get a good walk. You know, yesterday in the marriage class, I was talking to one couple, and they told me about a, a, a family that comes here. And uh, they were talking about one of the young men. Uh, the way that it started, because I told them that my wife saved up when she went to, she used to work at McDonald's. Don't tell her I told you that, but actually it's okay because it's going to go together in the story that she saved up her money to go to Israel by working at McDonald's. Some people are not savers. She's pretty good at it, man. Anyways, um, they told me that, 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 that one of the young guys, he, he had one job and he worked at McDonald's year after year after year after year. He only had one job. He went to school. He only had one job. He worked at McDonald's, flipping burgers, right? And then you know what happened? He went to school, graduated, became a doctor. One job, McDonald's. Now, some people might make fun of him. It's McDonald's, but you know what? I look at it. It's an honest day's work. And when he's working hard, and no doubt he's working hard in his studies, people are watching. You want to know something? That's an evangelistic work to work. Man, that sends volumes to people who are watching. You know, and, and if you work honestly, people will take note. You're going to work evangelistically. It's going to send a good gospel message to the non-believer, which is what we want to do, right? Colossians 4, 5 says, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. And then in 1 Peter 2, 12, it says, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles so that when they speak against you they may by your good works which they observe they glorify God in the day of visitation and what that means is that they get saved and so if you work honestly people will take note you'll work evangelistically and it's going to send a good message to them and then the last thing right there he says in verse 12 and that you may lack nothing and you're like hey I don't have well this or that and you know, a lot of times it's because you don't need this or that, but sometimes it's because we're not working the way we should. You know, and, and then looking at this again, he doesn't necessarily say if you get a good job, you won't lack anything. He simply says if you work hard with your hands, faithfully, honestly, then you're going to have, and I love this promise from God, you know, everything you need, man. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided unto you. Put God first. God will take care of all of your needs. What does the Bible say? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I will not lack. I will not lack. Why? Because Jesus is my shepherd. Right? And that's what the Bible says. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. And my God will supply all your needs. Not all your greeds. You know, when I first got a job, I remember, you know, taking the bus. I used to take the bus from, what, I think it was West Covina and out Duarte, you know, all the hours of the morning and working at the market. 
You know, doing different things that you got to do for a season in life, and God shows you, God teaches you things. But you work hard. And it's biblical. And what ends up happening is God will bless. You know, as we go through this, you guys, my, my, my prayer is that God would give us the grace as his children to take his word to heart. And may he help us. May God, you help us to love increasingly, to live peacefully, and to labor honestly. God will give that to his children. And if you're not God's child, if you're not a Christian today, my prayer is that you would come into the family. You know, your biological family, you can't choose. You know, God, you know, puts you somewhere, I think, where you belong. But your spiritual family, you can. And if you want to be in the family of God, the Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 12, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. I pray that today you would turn from your sins and you would trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior because he died for you on the cross. They put him in a grave and then he rose again. Three days later, Jesus did. And now all you have to do is believe. Trust in Jesus. So simple. There's no power in my preaching and there's no power in that prayer you pray to receive Christ necessarily. But there is power in the gospel. There is power in the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. I can't preach an eloquent gospel, but no one can preach a better gospel. Jesus died for you. He loves you. So my encouragement for you today is repent of your sins and receive him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Father, we thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for your word, Lord, that where would we be without this compass? Everybody would have their own opinion and they would do their own thing. And we see that in the world that we live in. But we are the people of your word and we are sprinkled with the blood of obedience. And so, Lord, we pray that you would just uh, allow these things to become a reality in our life. Thank you so much. I pray, Lord, you sanctify your church and that you, Holy Spirit, would save the lost. Touch every heart. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.